There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Explaining History podcast, and in this episode, I want to talk about the impact of the Six Day War uh, between Israel and the Arab nations uh, on the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was the backer of the Arab nations: um, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and Iraq, uh, arming them and equipping them, uh, particularly Egypt, with Soviet-built uh, MiG aircraft. It was the offensive against Egypt that really opened um, the Soviet Union's eyes to a potential disaster awaiting to happen to the Soviet Union's own defences. And it was all courtesy of French technology. The uh, Israelis were using uh, Vatour um, twin-engine jet aircraft, uh, which were carrying French-made electronic radar jamming equipment and when they flew down the canal zone the devices within the Vatour aircraft um, created a signal that um, jammed Egyptian radar operators and anti-aircraft batteries um, it meant that the screens that they were looking at went blank and following that um, Israeli aircraft monitoring the situation recognised that the experiment had been successful. When the uh, anti-aircraft systems along the Suez Canal were uh, disabled, that's when wave after wave of Israeli aircraft flew on to uh, attack Egypt, particularly attacking Egypt's airfields, uh, bombing at low altitude and destroying uh, Egyptian runways. These were followed by another sortie where um, the Israeli aircraft used cannon to destroy uh, Egyptian Soviet-made MiGs, um, and 286 of Egypt's 420 aircraft were destroyed on the first day of the Six-Day War, on June the 5th, 1967. The uh, defeat of the Arab armies of uh, Jordanian, Syrian and Iraqi air forces which followed next uh, um, meant that the, the land forces were sitting ducks and would be, would be devastated. So French technology supplied to Israel 
enabled this first opening salvo of the Six-Day War between Israel and its uh, Arab enemies to change the balance of power in the Middle East so dramatically and to win so successfully that it woke the Soviet Union up to the fact that the technology it was supplying the Arabs was hopelessly outclassed now by NATO equipment, particularly French equipment in this case. The French aircraft, the Dassault Mirage Mark IV, uh, which was manufactured between 1963 and 66, was a, a low-level, um, low-altitude aircraft that was designed to fly underneath Soviet radar and drop nuclear weapons in much the same way that the Egyptian airfields had been bombed using uh, parachute-dropped um, bombs to slow down the rate of, of fall to prevent um, the bomb from bouncing when it landed. The, uh, the bombs used on Egyptian runways were basically the same, except without a nuclear warhead. And this, the Mirage Mark IV, whilst it wasn't used by the Israelis, would be part of the uh, attack force um, the spearhead force that the French were planning to use uh, to attack the Soviet Union with in case in the possibility that the Soviet Union um, and NATO entered into full hostilities. The surprise attack by the Israelis against the Egyptians and then the other Arab air forces uh, on the 5th of June was called Operation Focus. And you couldn't think of a more apt title really because it focused the thoughts of both NATO and the Warsaw Pact on the outdated equipment that the Warsaw Pact appeared to have in terms of ground-to-air attack and defence, and it showed that the, the route of the Arabs in the Middle East would be the fate of the Soviet Union, except compounded with nuclear weaponry. This discussion, by the way, comes from History Today, from the May 2017 uh, volume 67, issue 5, and it is an, based on an article by Guy Laurent, who is the senior lecturer in the Department of International Relations at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and an expert on the Six-Day War. The alarm went off in Russia fairly soon after the events of the 5th of June. Um, the Moscow party boss, uh, Nikolai Yegorichev, spoke at a meeting of the Central Committee of the Communist Party at the Sverdlov Hall in the Grand Kremlin Palace, palace two weeks later, and Brezhnev, the party chairman, spoke at length about what the Soviet Union was actually going to do to mitigate the Arab defeat and the clear looming uh, implications that that had for uh, Soviet military hardware. One of the problems in the Cold War for any power whose hardware was shown to be inadequate was that um, the British, the Americans, the French, the Soviets and the Chinese were then and still are now the five biggest arms dealers in the world. And arms sales in the Cold War were worth more than simply hard foreign currency. They were political leverage. And so any country that saw the Soviet Union as being unable to supply adequate equipment that would allow them to win regional wars might look to become an American client state instead.
Yegorechev had very little time for Brezhnev. They had both been involved in the coup to remove Khrushchev. Uh, he had open contempt for Brezhnev. And now, in 1967, he was planning to weaponize the defeat of the Arabs against Brezhnev uh, in order to undermine him. He said that some of our allies often behave in a very dangerous and reckless manner. This includes President Nasser's irresponsible announcement that the Arabs will never accept the existence of Israel and the announcement on Radio Cairo on the first day of the war that now the Egyptian people would deal Israel its final death blow. Knowing that a Soviet client state was making these sorts of statements about an American client state brought back uncomfortable memories of Cuba. Um, that the, as um, Yegorichev put it, this careless, careless words could bring the world to a very dangerous situation. And this brought everyone's thoughts back to the worries about Soviet air defences. If a regional dispute, the likes of, what, of which had just unfolded in the Middle East, was to escalate a superpower confrontation, did the Soviet Union actually have adequate defences to defend itself against the potential of an American attack? And the answer appeared to be no, because Brezhnev and his defence spending had spent heavily on anti-aircraft systems and radar systems, the likes of which had been now dotted across the Middle East and proven to be completely obsolete. Soviet airspace was protected by systems that arguably no longer worked. Yegorichev continued, As a member of the military council of the Moscow district, I am most concerned about the fact that the anti-aircraft defence of the capital is not sufficiently reliable. The existing system is becoming outdated. Its modernisation is not producing the desired effect. And as for setting up a new system, the process has been drawn out for too long. There was no accusation quite as poisonous in the Soviet hierarchy as that of failing to take care of national security. One only needs to look at the disaster of 1941 and Stalin's miscalculations with Hitler and the, uh, the constant threat of the Cold War, the fear of encirclement by nuclear forces, first under Eisenhower, then Kennedy, Johnson and Nixon, and the connection here between a far deeper and more historical Russian fear of encirclement um, to make this the hottest issue in Soviet politics. And the only real fear that the Soviet state had uh, post-Stalin and the uh, end of the obsessions of internal subversion and the supposed threat of the Kulaks. So what might have been in the offing here is a possible Kremlin coup. Yegorachev was certainly making the sorts of noises that had overthrown Khrushchev year, uh, three years earlier. The Yegorachev um, was one of a part of a generation of uh, younger Soviet leaders who had grown up during the 1930s as part of the Komsomol. They were also they were called they were known as the Komsomolty, a group of men who had grown up knowing nothing other than the party, the party bureaucracy and party politics, and saw themselves as the natural heirs to the generation of uh, Khrushchev and Brezhnev. Yegonachev said, 
It might be the right time for implementing the line adopted in October 1964 and to hear in one of the next sessions behind closed doors report on the state of the country's defences. Um, a clear and unambiguous attack on Brezhnev and to put the Politburo under the supervision of the party's central committee. So the secrets of the Politburo were spilling out in an unprecedented way. Never before had these sorts of conversations happened at central committee meetings and never before had the Politburo been placed under such an intense pressure by the central committee. The hall thundered with applause uh, when Yegorachev came down from the podium. And the next three speakers who followed him, who did not know whether Yegorachev's comments had official sanction or not, were too afraid to challenge anything he said, which meant that the statements that Yegorachev made, he got away with. And it uh, supposedly at the meeting, when uh, Yegorachev was speaking with um, committee members afterwards who were giving him praise for his speech, hovering round in the background was Brezhnev, seeing if he could eavesdrop on the conversations that Yegorachev was having, thus showing his powerlessness in the situation. And it also brought a cheer from Brezhnev's enemies. Anastas Mokoyan, um, who was uh, kicked out by Brezhnev in 1964, cheered Yugolachev uh, during a post-committee meeting dinner. Um, Mokoyan knew that in early 1966 moves were afoot to get rid of Brezhnev, and he knew that it was the generation of the Komsomolty that had the best chance of doing it. He, of course, when he heard of plots to get rid of Brezhnev, distanced himself from them in, in his entirety. Uh, Brezhnev and Yegorachev were in conversation that night. Um, you, Brezhnev spoke to Yegorachev saying, uh, You know, Nikolai, the military men say you are not supposed to have this technical knowledge, um, implica implying that Yegorachev um, had been spying. Yugorachev um, said to Brezhnev, You know what, Leonid Ilyich? Your military men, when you start to talk to them, they piss their pants so much it reaches my own pocket. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Reshnev said, Look, Nikolai, I will not raise the question of forcing you out of the Central Committee. Yagodachev said that Reshnev had no reason to do so, and he's claimed that he had not broken any law or done anything criminal or illegal. At this point, Brezhnev became very angry and said, um, you know, we, we had agreed that we would throw you out. And Yagodachev stood his ground and said, well, if you do that, I will fight back. And at that point, Brezhnev caved and said, you have misunderstood me. He made conciliatory gestures, but he spent the rest of the night surrounded by his allies trying to find ways to get rid of the Komsomolty generation. With numerous uh, verbal and written attacks on Yagodachev's reputation planned. Yagodachev came under a fierce bombardment from allies of um, Brezhnev across the Soviet Union, from regional parties in places like Uzbekistan, uh, Azerbaijan and Georgia. Um, and the focus of all of these was that Yugoroshev didn't understand anything about air defence and that he was a, a kind of a naive incompetent bumbling in areas that he had no knowledge of. And this puts Yugoroshev on the back foot. And he was uh, removed from his job as first secretary of the Moscow region and made deputy minister for tractors and agricultural machinery, a humiliating demotion. So Brezhnev, whilst um, embattled, and whilst uh, in a very dangerous position, used his eminent skill as a political operator to attack Yagorachev and snuff out the uh, disaster that he nearly engulfed him surrounding the failure of Soviet anti-aircraft defences in the Middle East. But the contagion couldn't quite easily be contained uh, like that. Very much as financial panics sweep through the world, so um, a defence panic swept through the Warsaw Pact. The first um, period of the Six Day War saw panic uh, infect Poland, um, as uh, a Secret Services report said that in Warsaw, the supply of shops of gro- uh, to shops of grocery articles increased from three hundred to one thousand five hundred fifty tons a day. In Krakow, sales increased from 35 to 140 tonnes daily. Flour in particular rose from 10 to 80 tonnes. In Bialystok, um, the sale of salt increased by 300%, sugar by 200% and flour by 140%. And withdrawals from the PKO, the Polish Savings Bank, savings accounts were greater than normal. Clearly, uh, in Poland, during the Six-Day War the Polish general public seems remarkably well-informed and state censorship does not appear to have given them any impression other than the fact that they were defenseless. This is not 
secret policemen buying flour. It's not soldiers buying flour or party members. It's everyday members of the public withdrawing their savings from banks. Curiously, the majority of East Europeans, um, this is from a, a, a poll conducted by Radio Free Europe, um, the majority of East Europeans seem to have favoured Israel. Um, and this was not because Eastern Europe had suddenly uh, abandoned its history of anti-Semitism, far from it. It's the fact that the Arabs were uh, supported by the Soviet Union, and so most ordinary Poles, Czechs, Baltic state um, citizens, Hungarians, Romanians, Bulgarians and others looked upon the uh, Israelis as the enemy of my enemy. Countries like Egypt and Syria, whilst not militarily occupied or forced to adopt uh, communist governments, as the countries such as Poland and Hungary were at the end of the Second World War, were nonetheless deeply affiliated with the Soviet Union as client states. It was the view of the Soviet Union, a convenient and perhaps cynical one, that these were countries struggling against imperialism and therefore they should have the support of the Soviet Union. But the reality is that Soviet influence in the Middle East was extremely useful for checking American power, for influencing the, price, the world prices of oil, of which the Soviet Union was uh, a main producer, and making sure that there was a Soviet voice involved in Middle East negotiations and uh, diplomacy. Polish cardinals, whom the Polish people by and large listen to an awful lot more than um, general secretaries of the Communist Party, uh, recognised Israel's right to exist, and they uh, equated, rather unfairly by and large, um, Nasser with Hitler, though that was a kind of a trope that went all the way back to Anthony Eden's government. The Polish Secret Service became obsessed with the notion, entirely fictional, that the uh, Western Allies, NATO Allies, were trying to change Polish public opinion to support Israel, which was a direct contravention of the official policy of the Polish government. It was believed by uh, Polish agents that NATO had told its spies in Poland to report any sign of increased military activity. This is during the Six-Day War. The, uh, an incorrect report from one of these agents, it was claimed by the Polish Secret Service, would have led to nuclear war between Warsaw, the Warsaw Pact and NATO. Fanciful stuff. Unfortunately for Polish Jews, this was going to be used against them. As I've said in the past in this podcast, there's a, a rich tradition of anti-Semitism behind the Iron Curtain. Party chairman Ladislaw Gomulka um, said, We should be prepared for various surprises. Nuclear war is floating in the air since the situation has arisen, inching the world to war. The crisis would then be used by Gomulka to attack Jewish activists who'd been at the forefront of demanding reform, reform that Gomulka eventually embraces, Anyway, and using racism and anti-Semitism to full effect, he claimed that there was a fifth column in Poland and that needed to be dealt with. He said, we cannot remain indifferent towards people who support the aggressor in the, the Six-Day War. There were 25,000 
Jews remaining in Poland by the end of the 1960s. And the party purged 51 Jews from its ranks. 150 Jewish officers were forced out of the army. Three of them were generals, uh, one the commander of the air force. Uh, one officer lost his position because it was rumoured that his wife was Jewish. Non-Jewish officers uh, in the Polish army um, joined in meetings that demanded the removal of all two-faced Jewish individuals from positions in state and military apparatus. A Polish student who was arrested by the secret police in February 1968 uh, said that his interrogators asked, do you understand that we Poles must finally make our voices heard because as long as Jews hold all the positions, Poles won't be able to distinguish themselves. Um, so in, it's interesting, in that conversation, nothing was said about communism. This was Polish anti-Semitism coming to the fore as opposed to necessarily party anti-Semitism. Anti-Israel propaganda didn't convince much of the population in East Germany. Um, Opinion polls showed that many East Germans viewed Nasser as responsible for the Six-Day War, and it provided evidence to them, uh, once again, very well-informed citizens, much like the polls, that the Warsaw Pact was weaker than NATO. And the East German government was worried about public opinion and also about the state of their anti-aircraft systems. The most interesting fact here um, is that Brezhnev had to do a phone, um, phone around the capitals of Eastern Europe to reassure the leaders of the Warsaw Pact. It's almost unimaginable that Stalin would have made similar phone calls. And that fact alone shows how weakened and diminished the Soviet Union had become how the disparities of power between the Soviet Union and its satellite states had evened out. And when Warsaw Pact leaders met, um, when they met three times in the second half of 1967, um, they, didn't, they, they discussed the war, but they also discussed finance and trade. Khrushchev had hoped that the economic prospects for the communist bloc would be found in the Third World, creating Third World revolutions, creating uh, communist allies in the Third World um, who one could trade with and get lots of nice cheap resources. In 1967, it didn't look like that was happening. A series of right-wing coups around the world in places like Indonesia, Congo and Algeria had happened reversing these prospects. East Germany, by contrast, began to, uh, between 1960 and the early 1980s, conduct an enormous amount of new trade with the Third World, and the paucity of Soviet oil and coal supplies uh, subsidised, which was a distinct sweetener to the Eastern Bloc, so it became uh, a hindrance for East Germany because of its um, inability to satisfy growing East German energy demands. What we see is a parallel drift happening here, a increased economic autonomy in countries like East Germany and Poland, where the Soviet Union seems to be no longer able to answer even the bas most basic economic needs, and uh, an increased anxiety about the ability of the Soviet Union to defend uh, Soviet satellites. Um, and these place significant strains on the Warsaw Pact. And it's interesting the timing of the Czech 
uh, uprising the the Prague Spring the following year and its suppression. Both Gomulka and Janos Kedar, the uh, chairman of the Hungarian Communist Party, thought there was little value in dealing with the Middle East, buying or selling. Uh, the uh, Walter Ulbricht of East Germany uh, and Tito of Yugoslavia, the independent communist state, both were planning to gain extra oil, extra oil needs from Egypt and Iraq. But the extent to which the uh, Hungarians and Poles turned their back on the Middle East was, was interesting. In the 50s and 60s, uh, Czechoslovakia had spearheaded, had been at the front of Soviet efforts to uh, penetrate the developing world, and Czechoslovakia was one of the main armourers of uh, the Middle East, Czech arms being a famous export of the country. Uh, in, in, by 67, the Czechs had become frustrated by uh, the poor ability of third world countries to repay their debts. Most of the arms, most arms sales are done on huge loans, um, originally they're financed by huge loans by the seller country. Um, in uh, 1967, uh, Gomulka said, Further military assistance to Arab countries is without purpose, as there are no people who can use such weapons. We cannot allow Soviet weapons to fall into the hands of Israel for a third time. The war in the Middle East, the Six-Day War, exposed not only the weaknesses in Soviet air defences, but those weaknesses sent shockwaves throughout the Eastern Bloc, and they exposed disunities and divisions and crises that had long been festering, both diplomatic, military and economic. OK, well, I'm going to end there, because we've gone over time. But uh, if you enjoyed this and you found it useful and you'd uh, like to know more, you can buy The Six-Day War by Guy Laron, The Six-Day War, The Breaking of the Middle East, uh, published by Yale this year. Also, if you've enjoyed this, do remember to give us a good review on iTunes, and if you can, check out our Patreon page and support us there. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.